Hello and welcome. I'm Michael Fiddle, and this is my podcast, The Advantage. The Advantage is a breaking news sports betting show. I'm going to take on the biggest headlines in sports, react to the biggest games, and discuss the movement of the biggest names. I will break it all down for you guys with one goal, to always understand where there may be betting value amidst these results, storylines, and transactions. Like today, it's March 18th, and Deshaun Watson just got traded to the Cleveland Browns. I did not see that coming, but it certainly warrants a discussion about NFL futures, MVP odds, division winning, conference winning, and Super Bowl winning odds as well. But before we get into what's going down in Cleveland, since this is the first episode, let me explain to you a bit about who I am and how I got into sports betting in the first place. My betting career started like most, illegally. It was 12 years ago when I was an 18-year-old freshman in college. My mom was dating a guy who, like me, was a sports guy. He had Raven season tickets, and he used our mutual interest in basketball and football as a way to connect with me. He set up an online betting account, and when we would spend time together, we would throw 50 bucks on a game, and it made it a bit more entertaining. Certainly was that, more entertaining. When I returned to school, I remember calling him. Well, I called my mom, and I asked to talk to him, and I said, can I have that username and password to the site so that I could put bets in on the games that I'm watching with my friends? At this moment, I'm sure Stuart, that was his name, thought, well, there goes that 500 bucks. He said, sure. And he genuinely meant it. He didn't care about the money. He was happy I was having fun and enjoyed the hobby he showed me. Well, about a year later, that account went from 500 to $18,000. I built it up on straight bets and consistent plays. I don't think I made a single parlay, nor did I hit any insane futures bets. So how did I do this? First off, no. I did not just watch the games and think, well, this is who I think is going to win. I started studying the board, watching line movement patterns, going into detail on the team schedules, understanding bankroll management, and picking my spots. I treated the gambling account like an investment portfolio. I tailed professionals with years of tracked records and followed a lot of their plays in an effort to understand what and why they were doing these things. Sadly for my hobby, but ultimately the right life decision, my mom and Stuart broke up. Amidst the hardship that my mom was facing and the fact that this betting account was in his name, attached to his ID and on his credit card, I stopped logging into that account and I never made mention of it again. I did, however, find a way to open up my own account. And I started back with another 300 bucks. Over the years since, via sports betting, fantasy sports, and playing daily fantasy tournaments, I have made a few thousand dollars and just consistently grown my accounts. I have a few betting principles that I follow and I will share along the way. It's not as simple as what's the betting principle. We also need to know how and when to apply it. The biggest thing I look for in sports betting is this thing called reverse line movement. In another podcast, I'll go into detail about what this means and how to read lines to find it. At this point, I have subscriptions to betting websites that trigger alerts when a line has changed and that change reflects a reverse line movement pattern. However, I do not just play these plays because they fit the description. Often a late injury report can trigger a line to change and that change can often be misinterpreted as reverse line movement. Did the algorithm pick up on reverse line movement based on the way that the odds have changed? Yes. Is it because Jimmy Butler was a game-time decision and is now inactive? Yes. Does that mean that this still indicates RLM? No. 
So the best way to have these discussions is to contextualize them within the stories and odds that we currently have. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Break down the biggest stories in sports and figure out how we can bet around them using a lot of betting theory principles. Today's topic, as I mentioned earlier, is the Deshaun Watson news. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by my friend Tyler to discuss what's happening in Cleveland. All right, guys, welcome back. I'm now joined by my good friend Tyler. The last time I saw this man was at his wedding. So a quick congratulations to him. Tyler, how's married life treating you? The same as engaged life and the same as single, but we've been together for seven years life. It's, it's all one and the same. I'm super pumped to be here for episode one. Thank you for having me, Sid. Let's rock and roll. All right, great. So let's go straight to Cleveland then. Um, I was actually going to ask you have things, how have things changed, and you kind of answered that right off the bat. So let's skip that and just go straight to Cleveland. Um, Ty, my first thought when I saw this Deshaun Watson news was – money talks right like didn't we hear 24 hours ago that he did not want to go to cleveland they were out of the running like what happened yeah i mean listen my the first thing that i have to say about what happened with 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 the watson contract is you know he he made it very clear through through the press and through his agent that he was focused on on either going to carolina or going to new orleans and then it seems like uh miraculously something changed but it's very simple what changed here uh, it wasn't about putting himself in the best situation to be successful, being around the best players, being around the best coaches. It was all about the contract that was offered to him. And if you look at this deal, it's the biggest deal in, in, in guaranteed money terms in NFL history by a wide margin. And that's all, that's all that happened. You know, he was offered a contract that he could not refuse. You know, uh, Cleveland called and said, hey, Deshaun, we're going to give you the bag. And here's the difference. The bag is guaranteed. And he said, hey. I'll be there. And that's all that happened. You know, I think it wasn't a question about going to the best situation. Like I said, it was, he was guaranteed $230 million, no questions asked. And the man took his money and he said, I'll be there tomorrow. And that was it. That was it. I, pr- I pretty much agree. I mean, we literally just heard like what a few days ago that Aaron Rodgers took a guaranteed deal for 150 million over three years. This man's been the reigning MVP twice in a row. And now Deshaun Watson gets, Aaron Rodgers three-year guarantee in the terms of a signing bonus. Did he just get a, can you like explain the contract a little bit and what, like what it means and what just happened? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an absolutely unbelievable opportunity from a financial perspective. I mean, it's 150 million guaranteed at signing. Um, You know, what I thought was actually really interesting without trying to act like I'm a lawyer is, you know, one of the rules in the NFL is uh, your contract can oftentimes be void if you're suspended or you're, um, required to miss games for some sort of legal reason. And the thing is, when that happens, the only part of your contract where they can take your money is from your base salary. And his base salary for this coming season is only $1 million. Everything was paid out in, in, in large part as an upfront uh, guaranteed bonus at signing. So the contract is super insulated. It gives him a ton of flexibility. It's guaranteed cash. It was a no-brainer. I mean, he got the bag. It was the best deal. Things like that don't flip upside down in 24 hours without good reason. He got the best deal, and he took it. That was it. Yep. All right, so let's jump to the football situation. So what do we think? Is this the best football move for Watson? I mean, he joins a team that has some really good pieces, right? I mean, if it always felt like this Cleveland Browns team was a franchise quarterback away from being a real legit title contender, But at the same time, he's in a really hard division. I mean, he's got the Steelers, who are consistent winners under Tomlin. 
He's got Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and he's got Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Like, is is what does this mean in terms of his football situation? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, without a doubt, I think he's going into a tough division. I wouldn't like to be Mitch Trubisky. I think you're kind of the uh, the odd man out in the room there. But but listen, it, it's a team that you know. I think they're going to approach you know playing you know fairly similar fairly similarly to how they have the last few years. They're going to run the ball really well. They have two outstanding running backs. They have an experienced offensive line. They're going to put pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, they, certainly they, you know, they lose some playmakers on the outside, but they have Amari Cooper. They have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who had, I think, a really, really good sophomore season and kind of emerged. They still have Njoku. Like, I think it's just a question of finding the balance of, you know, this is a team that wants to run the ball, open up the middle of the field, and they're going to let Deshaun get to work. It's, it's you know, I, I think he certainly has enough players to be successful. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely, a, I think, as good, if not better, of a situation than he had in Houston for his, you know, the beginning of his career. But the division is tough. I mean, you look at it, it's unbelievable. There are two divisions in the AFC that have outstanding quarterbacks. You look at the AFC West and what's going on there, and now you look at the, uh, the AFC North. It's, it's two divisions that have, you know, each division has three absolutely outstanding all-pro caliber quarterbacks. So, you know, it, it, it just goes to show you, like, if you want to win in the NFL right now, you have to have the best quarterbacks. And, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's happening right in front of our eyes. It's, it's funny you bring up those two divisions, Tyler, because there's a, there's a fun prop bet out there because those are absolute two powerhouses right now saying which division in total has more wins this season. And that's something we'll talk about in a little bit. But let's stick with that football stuff. You just said you do need a franchise quarterback to win in the NFL, right? I mean, last year was Matthew Stafford. The year before it was Tom Brady. Uh, the year before that, Patrick Mahomes. So, and then every other year before that, Tom Brady again. So it really does feel like quarterback is the one position in sports that could totally change things. And in the NFL, you need to have one of these guys to win the big game. So here's a fun exercise for us. Let's go one by one, Tyler, and each take a quarterback that we would choose before we would get to Watson. And let's figure out where he ranks in the NFL. I'll start. I'll take Mahomes. Cool. I'm taking Brady. I take Rodgers over Watson. Burrow. Give me Burrow. I take Josh Allen. I think I'm taking Russ. I, I think I'm taking Russ. See, now that's an interesting one because I have a question for you about the, the Russ trade in comparison to the Watson trade, but we'll come back to that. Let's keep going. I'm taking Justin Herbert. I think that's fair. And then kind of draw the line in the sand is... I think I'd take I'm, – I'm giving you a twofer here. I think I'd take Lamar, and I think I'd take Dak, and that's where I cut it off. And that's where I cut it off. What do you think? What about Kyler? I mean, man, you saw what he did in that playoff game. He, he, was, he was a lost cause out there. I'm, I'm not sure I'm taking Kyler. I'm not sure I'm taking Kyler. I think I'd draw the line in the sand at Lamar and Dak. Okay, so – I think we're, what we're doing is settling in, and, and Watson actually could be better. I mean, he could be as high as maybe four or five is kind of where we started getting a little bit tricky after, I'd say maybe as high as five, after Mahomes, Josh Allen, Rodgers, and Brady. I think those are the four, and then we then it starts to get dicey. So he could be as high as five and as low as like maybe 10 or 11, depending on the Kyler situation. Um, so, then, so then, Tyler, that means we even put him... Third and third best quarterback in his division because you took Burrow and Lamar over Watson. Now that's pretty crazy too. Just throwing that out there. Um, Tyler, do you see these guys are only getting better? Like you look at like 
all of his main weapons, and most of his weapons are, are known players who are only ascended. Exactly. Has, has Mixon, who has six best backs in football. See against Tyler Boyd. This guy has targets. Like, he's only going to get better. And Listen, the guy's got to stay healthy, but he played all of last year without his star running back. Got hurt in the preseason. I, I, just, I just don't see how, you know, he hasn't played in a year and a half, you know, is on the same level as these guys right now. Not only has he not played in a year and a half, I think we also have to throw out there before we start getting to the betting component of this, that he probably faces a suspension coming as well. Uh, the last time we've seen something similar to this, obviously not to the level of 22 women with allegations, but we did have Ben Roethlisberger a couple of years back, uh, had some sexual assault allegations. It went to the criminal case. The criminal case did not proceed. It had some civil case. The civil case was settled and the NFL still came in and they started with a six game suspension that was then reduced to a four game suspension after he appealed it with the NFLPA. So, Tyler, I think it's safe to say that we're probably looking at a six game suspension minimum as his sentencing from the NFL before we get to any appeals. And it might even be more than six games. What are you what are you hearing? There aren't many you know, situations like this. Um, uh, and, and, and that's fair. I mean, like you just said, the division is so competitive that, you know, people have a guy like Watson for, for four games or six games. Frankly, I think that you kind of have to kiss the season to not. You know, yeah, I know that we're going to get into a discussion about how we want to think about things from a betting angle. Second, my, my first question would be is, you know, in a division that's this talented with three quarterbacks who are this outstanding, you just can't afford to be betting on a guy who, who, you know, who may miss a quarter of the season or more. I just, I just think that it's, you know, it's something that you really have to think about. And, you know, it's, uh, he just has, there, there's very little margin for error when you have a division with three all pro quarterbacks. Lastly, before we get to the betting component, do we want to just quickly touch on the, the Cleveland Browns defense? Is it still a top elite unit? Is Miles Garrett still one of the best defenders in the NFL? I don't really uh, haven't seen much of their offseason moves yet. I haven't seen the people that are coming and going. I know last year was a came into the season as a highly rated unit. It performed quite well at times, other times not so well. I think it was always kind of missing a team that could possess the ball a little longer on offense, even though they have a great run game to then give a break to their defense. But quickly touch on the defense, Tyler. Is this still an elite unit that can maybe win a game for this team, or is this going to be relied on the offense? You know, I I, I, th- I think so. And, and you know, I think the, the, the kind of thinking here is, you know, listen, this was a team that was frankly anemic on offense. I mean, they, they weren't capable of throwing the ball downfield. To be fair to Baker, he was playing with, you know, a, a, you know, a severe shoulder injury and his ability to throw the ball, you know, past the sticks was no good. But listen, this is a defense you have, you know, Miles Garrett, Malik McDowell, you know, two guys who get pressure on the quarterback. They just made an acquisition getting a, a, a young Chase Winovich from, from the Patriots who, you know, is an edge kind of guy who, 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 you know, even brings more pressure and, and, and third down pressure on the quarterback. And I think in a division, you know, with, with guys who want to sit and pick people apart, especially in a division with Lamar, you have to be able to apply pressure to the quarterback. Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit, you know, they have players. You know, I think the defense is going to be outstanding. 
Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's, I think, what the thinking was here from the front office in, in Cleveland was, you know, we have guys on the defensive side of the ball to put us in a position to win games. But what held us back last year was we just couldn't score any damn points. Um, so I think, you know, that that was kind of the thinking there is, you know, we have a defense that we trust, but we need someone who can do the same thing on the side of the on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, I, I think the answer to your question is, yes, they have playmakers everywhere now. The question is, one, how many games is Deshaun going to be suspended, if any? And two, you know, how quickly can this guy get back to being his usual self? This is a guy who can throw for 4,500 yards, run for 500 and score, you know, 25 to 30 touchdowns. I mean, this, this is a guy who can be a franchise, you know, changing player right away. It's just a question of how quickly. I completely agree with all that. I mean, they also have an elite offensive line. And in the regular season, sometimes the offensive line can just help manage and win a game as well. If you can just hold that, hold down the front and keep the pressure from coming in, an offensive line can be a total game changer. We've seen, you know, the Colts be a stable organization in kind of the same situation where they have a good run game, a good defense, and are just missing that quarterback piece. And they are competitive in almost every single game. So let's take this now to the betting side, Tyler. Uh, there might be a lot of public money that just came in because I don't know if you saw this, the Browns went from an 18 to 1 uh, betting proposition of plus 1800 to win the AFC to now an eight and a half to one. They went from a 40 to one underdog to win the Super Bowl to, I believe, a 16 to one middling team with Super Bowl odds. Deshaun Watson is now a plus 2500 MVP. He is projected the 10th highest MVP odds. Do we want to start touching on any of these stats, Tyler? How are you feeling? I have I have a lot of takes on these. You know, I, I the first thing I'm thinking about is it seems like there was a lot of public money, as you just alluded to, that 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 might have um, you know misinflated some of the odds here with, within both the AFC um, North and, and the AFC Championship and then the Super Bowl more broadly. Uh, the team that I'm still looking at that I, I just think is not being appreciated here is Baltimore. I mean. You know, Lamar is, you know, growing and maturing. Um, you know, he, he's going to get his, you know, his, his all-star level running back back. You know, he has Hollywood Brown. He has Rashad Bateman, who's coming off of, of an injury. And, and once he returns to the lineup, he's one of the best tight ends in football. Um, and Mark Andrews, who's, who's only getting better, um, you know, more than competitive. So, you know, I think those are half on, on the other side of the ball. I think, I think Baltimore had a, you know, a pretty competitive season given a, a very difficult landscape, and I just feel like this team is being vastly underappreciated within within the context of, of their own division, and that's just kind of my first take. And a fantastic coach. Anytime Baltimore comes up, I think they're one of the best that's coach right. teams uh, in the NFL. Absolutely. Back to some of those long-shot Browns odds, because I do want to touch you know, a lot of what we're doing here is going to be focused on the betting stuff and where there is value. I'm just going to come out and say this. There is no value on taking any Browns future bets right now. To, to right. take anything from an eight and a half to one to win the AFC or a 16 to one to win the Super Bowl is absolutely loony. To put to put money on Deshaun Watson to win the MVP before we hear anything about his suspension. I mean, that it could be essentially lighting money in your backyard on fire. Um I did some quick research, Tyler, into previous MVP winners. There's only been one player in history that's played 11 games or less and won the MVP, 
and that was a season where they certainly weren't playing 17 games. The last player to play 14 games or less and still win the MVP was Emmett Smith in 2000. So we really have absolutely no precedent for a player playing less than 15 games since 2001 for the last 20 years to win MVP. I truly think betting on Deshaun Watson to win MVP is really, really foolish right now. Um, so let's take this now to the yeah, conference because yeah, this is where I do think I we can find out. Ty, let's 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 take this to the conference where we can actually where we can actually find some value. Um, let me read to you the conference odds. The Browns are plus one fifty five to win their division. They're the favorites over the plus two hundred Ravens two to one odds. Returning Super Bowl team, the Bengals plus two forty, and the Steelers plus nine fifty. You made a mention of the Ravens. Uh, you think there's value in that? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, you know, I, I, I think that the the two teams who who you just mentioned in the middle there, um, you know, Baltimore at two to one and um, uh, and, and Cincinnati at, at almost two and a half to one. I think that's where the value is. You know, I just I think that we've seen in the AFC North over the last few years, and, and frankly. Uh, Cleveland was, I think, a good example of it with Baker last year. You know, all these teams have strong defenses. They apply pressure to the quarterback. They cause havoc. They make it difficult to move the ball. But you have to be able to move the ball just a little bit on offense. And I just have a very hard time believing he's going to be able to do that with Trubisky. I just think that kind of eliminates them um, quickly from contention. I just, I just have a really hard time thinking that Trubisky can be consistent enough. You know, listen, he's going to have to play – the other three teams in his division six times in total. So that means he's going against three, three quarterbacks who are outstanding, you know, for almost, you know, a third of the season. I just have a hard time thinking that Trubisky can stay afloat there. And that's the reason why those odds are where they are. It ain't happening in Pittsburgh this year, folks. It's just not happening. Let me, let me walk you through my, let me walk you through my thought process with that Pittsburgh situation, Tyler. When I first saw the Pittsburgh Steelers at a plus 950, knowing the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers under coach Mike Tomlin, I was about to throw the house on this, right? Ten to nearly ten to one odds on the the state, the most stable organization in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers, to come win this division, which is complete chaos right now. Has a lot of question marks, has plenty of uncertainty with every other team in the landscape. But that's exactly what I think a lot of the public is also going to think, and I think almost plus nine fifty is too juicy that they know people are going to reach and bet for that when they see the likes of the Ravens and the Bengals. I, too, agree with you, Tyler. Taking plus money on the Steelers, it is not happening in Pittsburgh this year. They will not be winning that division. Uh, I don't really see any bets that I'm looking to take here. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I think even just looking at it quickly here, you know, you look at the Bengals and, you know, they return their entire, you know, offensive core. You know, the only person that they lost was, was Uzuma, the, t- the tight end to, to the Jets. You know, they return all of their major playmakers. They have three outstanding wide receivers in Jamar and T and Tyler Boyd. You know, Burrow's only going to get better. If Mixon's healthy, he's a top five or ten back in the league. An outstanding offensive line. You know, tons of confidence coming off a tremendous, you know, postseason run. I just, I just don't see how you know a team like this can, you know, can be, you know, two to one, you know, or, or longer uh, to win the division. I, I just, you know, I, it, it just doesn't make sense to me that that 
you know, they're they're getting the odds that they are. I, I just I don't know how they're not the favorites. It's it, it's disrespectful. This team was just in the Super Bowl and then they lost no one from their core. So, you know, I think I think uh, you know, thinking about the the betting perspective, there's just a lot of silly, funny public money that that seems to have flooded in post the Sean trade, and, and that's something I'm fading. I'm not getting close to it. I, I, I kind of feel the same way about the Bengals. I don't really know how to read the situation where they are sitting at third after having this young franchise quarterback bringing all their pieces back, apparently investing in their offensive line. People say that all the time. We never know how it actually works out until they get on the field and play as a unit. But again, like them sitting at third and the Pittsburgh Steelers sitting, I mean, all these teams are too good. They all have too much history. They all have too many uh, things going for them and Honestly, some question marks as well that I'm staying away from this division right now. It's not something I'm betting. Tyler, I did uh, happen to throw this out there to you before. There's a prop bet about who is going to have more wins this season. The AFC West, which has the likes of the Raiders, the Chiefs, the um, who, who am I forgetting? The Raiders, the Chiefs, uh, the Chargers, Chargers, and the Broncos. Hey, and now we have another division with the with the Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, and Pittsburgh Steelers. This AFC North, guys, I'm seeing it at. It's not this bet is not posted everywhere. I assume it will be soon as a fun prop in the coming months. I'm seeing it now as a plus one sixty to bet on the AFC North to beat the AFC West in total wins this season. Hey, that's a fun one. Uh, that's a fun one. You know, what, what I'd say is Vegas needs to think about making a, a prop for, for most touchdown passes between all the quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I'd want to know who the who is the uh, the crossover uh, division that each of those guys gets this year, because that, that's got to be a key part of it. You know, the, the intra-division games, there are going to be wars, man. It's going to be tough. Uh, lots of good teams. Um, you know, I think the AFC West is going to be a little bit more of kind of a, you know, a West, a lot of touchdowns up and down the fields, a little bit less defense. I, I still think the AFC North will be, a, you know, a little bit more of a, of a war to move the ball down, up and down the field. But I don't know. That's, that's, fit. I, that, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure about that one. Sounds like you're staying away for now. I, I think that, I think that's right. That's one of those props that uh, Vegas puts up because it's fun to talk about, but if, if you're someone who's trying to take care of you, I'm not sure that's one you want to be making a bet on. Can I tell you what my theory was? And I did put half a unit on the AFC North at the plus 160. I took the plus money. My thinking was the coaches in this division. I took a, I took a bid on Tomlin, Harbaugh, Stefanski, who has a fantastic representation, and Zach Taylor, who just went to the Super Bowl. I went with that. There's There's a new coach in Denver. There's a new coach in Oakland. I stayed away. I, I took the plus money and the consistency. As you guys listen to me discuss NFL futures in more podcasts from now, consistency and uh, bringing back some of the same guys is something that I really value in terms of the NFL regular season. All right, Ty, let's uh, extract. Wait, quickly, last thing on the betting. Before we hit this, maybe from a fantasy perspective, is did you see any other MVP odds or 
Are there any other teams in terms of Super Bowl odds that happen to intrigue you? Were there any long shots that, you know, you were a little bit intrigued by? I could I could read you a few of mine. Yeah, hit me with a few of yours. The one thing that I that I would say quickly is, um, you know, the I think kind of people were t- you know were just talking about how some of the odds on on the Browns I think became a bit public money inflated and and, and just frankly not sharp at all. I think you could say the same thing for for the Bucks when when Brady came back. Um, you know, I think that the the sharp money out there was you know had an inkling that he might be considering a comeback in the the days and in few weeks prior to the announcement happening um and those were the guys who got the who got the good angle on things uh you know i think that's just kind of another similar instance of um you know uh, a public inflation and, and just kind of something that i'd like to stay away from but i you know i'd love to hear what you're thinking in terms of other good opportunities across the league because i think we just covered you know in the afc uh, north and and, and, and West, you know, two of the best opportunities in, in the NFL in terms of where we might see a Super Bowl winner next year. So, all right, I'm going to go straight into it, Tyler. I'm going to give you my take. I really think if you're going to take a dark horse Super Bowl team this year, someone with long shot odds, it absolutely has to be from the NFC. That's my first rule. The, these, these AFC teams are going to be too dominant. It is going to be too much of a bloodbath. It is going to be too unpredictable. Here are two NFC teams that I like their long shots of. Philadelphia Eagles made the playoffs last year with nearly $40 million in dead cap space that they've now reopened and can reinvest into various parts of the team. They are also rumored to be in the market for a few of these quarterbacks that are supposedly available, whether that be Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield. They might stick with Jalen Hurts. Who knows? But they are a team that could make a splash at quarterback. And if they do, they are currently sitting at 40 to 1, and that is going to shoot up somewhere in the 15 to 25 to 1 range. So that's something that I think we could jump in now and try and steal some value there. And the second one is the Minnesota Vikings. 3,600 plus 3,600, 36 to 1 odds. Uh, Returning a lot of their key guys, and their division is not good. I mean, they got the Packers, who are returning Aaron Rodgers, and that's about it. And then you have the Lions and the and who else in there? I mean, uh, why am I blanking? The Bears. No, exactly. The Chicago Bears. Justin Fields, Jared, uh, Justin Fields and Jared Goff. So I'm liking the Philadelphia Eagles, also in a very weak division. And I like the Minnesota Vikings as two long shot teams who I think could come out of the gates three and oh or make another big splash in free agency. And you see those odds really start changing. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I think you know one of the things uh, that you just alluded to that that kind of sticks out to me is you know, especially with the new playoff structure, is you know there's getting to the playoffs is half the battle here, right? And, and, and the NFC East, as we saw last year, was just another disaster. I think. You know, you could argue that the Cowboys have gotten weaker in the offseason. They lost some key players, you know, Cooper obviously being kind of the headliner there. Um, and, and like you just said, the Eagles have a lot of cap room. They've only gotten better. I think Hurts is going to get better with a year of experience under his belt. Players like Jalen Rieger and, and Devonta Smith are, are, you know, only going to have better sophomore seasons. I think that's, you know, I think that's a great spot right there. And when you get to the playoffs, you just even make the playoffs when you have a futures bet at a 40-1 to or a 36-1. to 
you immediately start hedging. I mean, you have three rounds to get through until they're in the Super Bowl and it's a potentially cashing ticket. So unless they, they might even have a buy and it could be less than that. But you can immediately start hedging, hedging on a 40 to one and it could be a really profitable ticket for you, even if they make the playoffs. Um, all right, Tyler, let's uh, bring this over to kind of a fantasy discussion. Obviously, with the quarterback carousel spinning, there's a lot of fantasy implications of this. Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. Baker's now probably on the move somewhere. Um, Watson goes from a team where he had the whole offense to now a position where he's part of a, an existing really dominant run game and will add to the offense. So I'm not sure how much total control he's going to have. Stefanski's still a coach who likes to run the ball and establish the run. They're going to run the ball 25 to 30 times a game. They have Nick Chubb. He's probably the most talented running back in the NFL from a pure running standpoint. So let's uh, let's talk about fantasy. Where does Watson fall? We don't know what's going to happen with the suspension, Tyler, right? So where do you think Watson falls? You think it's around the same range as the quarterback ranks we did earlier for his fantasy rank? I think it's a touch higher. I think it's a touch higher. And, and this is, you know, with the caveat that he's able to play, you know, all 16 or 17 games this year. Um, you know, we, we, you know, his rushing ability. I mean, think about what his stats were in his 2020 season in Houston playing on a team that was total garbage. The guy threw for 4,800 yards. He ran for almost 500. Um, you know, he had 36 touchdowns. Uh, you know, the, the guy is a unique talent. Um, and, you know, so, you know, I really think he's a, you know, all things considered, if he gets a full season in and, and you know, he reverts back to his, you know, usual self, I think the guy's a top five or six quarterback, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's just a question of, you know, how you think he handles getting thrown back into the mix in a very competitive division with good defenses so quickly. Um, you know, I think, you know, we were talking about the AFC West um, earlier. I, you know, I kind of, all things considered, I think, you know, probably prefer some of the quarterbacks out there just because the defenses in that division I don't think are as competitive as in the North. Um, but Deshaun, on a standalone basis, you know, if, if he's out there and he's playing, he's got the weapons in the run game to open things up for him to throw the ball. He's got a couple of good wide receivers. He's got Njoku as tight end, who I think is he never had any tight ends in, in Houston. Um, this guy's a top five or six player, no doubt about it. No doubt about it at all. So you're taking him over the likes of probably Russell Wilson, who you who you noted might be a little bit higher than him. I mean, Russ is in that AFC West division. Uh, you took Russ over Watson for the overall quarterback ranks, but Russ is kind of one of those guys who falls a little bit below in fantasy the last few years. Um, I'm just trying to think of who else could he make. I think Dak, he could maybe surpass from a fantasy perspective. I mean, Dak throws for 400 yards a game, so he's pretty reliable. Um but yeah, he should be. Lamar is very up and down from a fantasy perspective. Joe Burrow is doesn't really run that much, so he relies on what he gets through the air. Same with Matthew Stafford. So yeah, I mean, I agree. Watson could shoot up these fantasy ranks faster than he could shoot up the uh, pure talent ranks, in my opinion. I'd put him in front of someone like a Stafford, who I think is, you know, at, at this stage in his career, kind of a bit more of a, a professional game manager, and obviously he's very limited with his legs. Um, but, you know, I think, um, you know, I kind of put him above Stafford, but probably just behind Lamar, I think, especially with Lamar getting Dobbins back and, and kind of a, a, a more full offense. I think that's kind of, he fits kind of right back in there around that kind of seven or eight spot. Agreed. So, yeah, I do think, Tyler, like, 
coming in, slotting around seventh is probably where he's going to be. Uh, we really need to find out about that suspension for a fantasy impact. I think Watson's going to be a guy I'm more looking for in a daily fantasy context this year, as opposed to a season long when you can just play him when he first returns, he's probably going to have great value and a low salary. Um, someone like Watson, I would say is anywhere maybe even a four or $5 range in an auction style draft. I wouldn't be reaching too much for him. I know he's a boomer bust kind of a league type winner if he hits, but again, the missed games in the beginning of the season is really going to hurt. And then it's, it is going to take him some time to get up to speed. And we don't know exactly what we're getting with someone who hasn't played in two years. So from a fantasy perspective, I do think there will be people in your league that are going to buy the hype a little bit more than I'm willing to. So I probably, you know, let him slide to his a round or two in the draft, and I would probably spend three to four dollars in a two hundred dollar fantasy draft budget on him. Um, Ty, thank you for joining with me today. I hope you can come back, discuss some NFL futures, and talk about some regular season matchups that we have, and review some line movements and things that we're betting on throughout the course of the season. Can't wait, Fid. Just the start of what's going to be a big thing. Uh, Thanks for having me and looking forward to being back very soon. Take care, my brother. Thank you, everyone, for joining. This was The Advantage, a breaking news sports betting show. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. We will be back soon as long as the news keeps coming in. Look forward to being here. Hope to teach you guys a lot. Again, the biggest things we learned today to review some of our plays. I believe Tyler is looking at that Bengals plus 240 for the division. I was holding off on any Browns futures. I do think that the Philadelphia Eagles, the Minnesota Vikings, and the AFC North to win more games than the AFC West are the three bets that we should look for now. And again, from a fantasy perspective, Watson is a very boomer bust player. The Cleveland Browns are what I call a huge building this season. There is a very vast difference between what is potentially the basement and what could be the ceiling. They are a skyscraper. And in those contexts, I tend to avoid and let the other people, I like to be a wait and see approach. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.